0: We want to spend a few moments, as we've been preaching the last few weeks, leading up to the death and burial of our Lord and Savior. And preaching messages that leads us up to His resurrection. Today we want to look in Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, verse 34. We want to read just verse 34 today. Just stay with us in that on that page. We're going to look at several a couple of different passages, but we're just going to read for our text, verse 34. While you're getting there, Christopher Serber shared in a story in a message he had preached some time ago. He said, There was once a man who was born in a little town back east, he grew up and took on the family business. His only earthly father that he had ever known died sometime in his teen years. And as the oldest, he took the responsibility of taking care of his mother. He had a good reputation among all the people in his hometown. He was active in church and he would help anybody with any need that they might have. Oh, he was a good man and people loved him. But some people were jealous of his popularity. They were, they were also distrustful of his theology. So listen to some words that he shared as he spoke through his tears, through pain of being beaten. Listen to the words from our bleeding Savior, which he spoke concerning those who mocked and persecuted him from the cross, which he was nailed to. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Jesus, much more than any of us, would have been fully justified in his anger. He would have been fully justified to do something toward those who had hurt him. He was the son of God. He had come so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. He had come to rescue us and he was on a mission to redeem us to the father. And those who needed him most rejected him the most. He raises a question in my mind. What do we do? When those who needed Jesus the most, when they persecuted him, when they beat him, when they nailed him to an old rugged cross, his words were, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So when we're persecuted, when we're taken advantage of, when we have been misled, or, or when we've been passed over, When we've been bullied, what is the first thing that we do? Do we try to get back at those who have have treated us wrong? Do we try to, to turn evil for evil? Do we try to set the record straight? Or do we go to the Father and plead on their behalf that they know not what they do? I think if we were to take this lesson from our Lord and Savior... We would find that that the world would look at us and say there's something different about him or about her. That when we've tried to beat them up, they've loved me anyway. Oh, that's what we see that Jesus does throughout his life. And in this one verse in Luke 23, 34, we hear him cry out, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Pray with us, would you? God, as we do come before you today, we just thank you for this day that you've given us. And God, we just thank you that your son cried out on my behalf. For when I didn't know what I was doing, he was seeking forgiveness for me. God, even today... When I don't know what I'm doing He's forgiven me God when the enemy comes before you and makes an accusation against me that is truth God your son is standing on my behalf saying he knows not what he does but his name has been recorded God we thank you Thank you that you love us Thank you that you gave your son for us and that when we didn't know what we were doing he was pleading on our behalf God he died in our place to give us forgiveness of our sins God we thank you we praise you and we pray God that there'd be someone today that would recognize their need for Savior recognize they have no idea what they're doing and they'll cry out For if they cry out to you, we know that you would forgive them. For they know not what they've been doing. Now, God, be with us throughout the remainder of this message. Let it be a blessing. Let it be honorable to you. Let it magnify your son. And God, we'll praise you for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. (laughs) you know as we approach this text we know that the religious leaders demanded death for Jesus they had arrested him at night they illegally tried him at night they brought false witnesses to speak against him at night so the proceedings they were corrupt they were illegal and they were led by those who most would assume to be the spiritual leaders of the day. Well, what I, I, I've come to realize that it appears that it's much more correct to label these leaders as religious leaders rather than spiritual leaders. The reason is the issue that they had was that they felt their traditions, their religion. They felt that the way that they done things Their religion was being challenged. So because of this, they stooped to an all-time low, even for these men to rid themselves of this carpenter from Nazareth. These religious leaders took Jesus before Pilate. And we find that in in Luke 23 and verse 4, that Pilate says, I find no fault in him. As a matter of fact, Pilate, he does his best to get himself out of the situation by sending him to Herod. But Herod sends him back to Pilate. And again in verse 14, Pilate says, I found no fault in this man. And then even a third time in verse 22, Pilate says, I have found no reason for death for him. Even in Matthew's gospel, if we go to Matthew's gospel 27, 24, we find that Pilate, he went to the extremes of taking water and washing his hands and saying, I'm innocent of the blood of this just man. What seems to be painfully obvious is that the religious leaders did not know what they were doing. They did not know what they were doing, calling for the death of Jesus. So Jesus cries out to God to forgive them, for they know not what they do. So the question becomes to us, what did they not know? Now when we speak of they, we're talking about these religious leaders. So what did they not know? Well, first thing what we'll see in here is that... That What they did not know was in at their hands, God's prophecy was being fulfilled. In Isaiah 53 verses 10 through 12, the Bible says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief when you make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant shall justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul under death he was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sin of many and he made trans and he made intercession for the transgressors here what we find in this passage is that because he became a sin offering because he offered up himself, it pleased the Lord. What what is meant by those those uh, three these those three verses of scripture is that Jesus would pay the penalty for our sin. He would pay the penalty for the sin of the world. And while he would suffer, he would while he would agonize, while he would plead <coughs> for the cup to pass by. God knew his son was committed to his will. God knew that after Jesus suffered the beating, after he suffered the humiliation of the cross, after taking on himself the sin of the world, after laying down his life, Jesus would see the fruit of his work every time. Every time someone repents of their sin, every time someone turns from their wicked ways, every time someone receives Jesus as their personal savior, (coughs) Jesus sees his fruit. And when he sees his fruit, he justifies his fruit. (coughs) I've probably shared this in the past, but it relates to this now. Several years ago, Miss Frances Arnold was a sick woman. At that time, while she was in the hospital at at Duke University Hospital, her daughter and her son-in-law, her daughter Anita, her son-in-law Lawton, they were both unsaved, and neither one attended church. And I went to see Miss Frances on several occasions, and that was the time when I really got to to have opportunities to talk with Miss Anita. And then as time went by, Miss Frances began to turn the corner. She began to get a little better. And as she got better, she began talking about missing church. She began talking about wanting to come to church. And Miss Anita told her that if she got better and she got strong enough, that she'd make sure she had a way to church. So in my last visit, I asked Miss Frances, Miss Frances, when you come back to church and Miss Nita brings you to church and you happen to see her get saved and then later you see Mr. Lawton get saved. Would this sickness be worth it? (laughs) And without a hesitation, she said yes. Well, Miss Anita stayed true to her word. She brought her mother to church and, and she would stay with her in the Sunday school class, in preaching. And in just a, a, a few short months, we saw her walk an aisle. We saw her give her life to Jesus. And I asked Miss Francis, was the sickness worth it? <laughs> she said, yes. Miss Anita began praying for her husband. And back in September on a hospital bed at Southeastern Regional, he asked God into his heart. And, and he received Jesus as his personal Savior. And I asked Miss Frances again, was the sickness worth it? And she said, Yes. Folks, when one trusts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I'm convinced he thinks back and he says, oh yes, the cross was worth it. The fulfillment of scripture was worth it. They had no idea what they were doing. And when Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But in his mind, it was worth it. No, the religious leaders didn't know that prophecy would be fulfilled and Jesus would be able to say it was worth it because they did not know the scriptures. They did not believe Jesus was the fulfillment of scriptures because they didn't know him. What should have been a blessed time became a time of hate (coughs) and a time of corruption. (coughs) But Jesus did fulfill the scriptures. He provided a way for us to be reconciled to God. And God knew. He knew that God would divide with him a portion of him to himself. That portion that God has given Jesus is he's placed judgment in Jesus' hands. Jesus is going to sit on his throne. And Jesus is going to judge the righteous and the wicked. Oh, thank God. For the fulfillment of scriptures. What did they not know? Oh, when we look in this, in this section. <coughs> when we look in this section. We, we see that what they did not know was at their hands. God's provision for sin was being provided. What the people didn't know was that their rejection of Jesus of Nazareth was them rejecting the Christ. Them rejecting Jesus was their rejection of the Messiah. They were rejecting the very son of God. And the consequence that their rejection to the son of God was judgment. When we look there in verses 28 here in the 23rd chapter, verses 28 through 31, the Bible says, Jesus turning to them said, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, blessed are the barren wounds that never bore and the breasts which never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in the greenwood, what will be done in the dry? When we look here in these passages, what we see here is that Jesus is predicting Jerusalem's judgment. It meant doom and destruction. The destruction would be so great that Jesus was, while Jesus was going up Golgotha's hill, he was concerned for them. And he told them not to weep for him, but to weep for themselves. For a day would come when mothers would would wish that they were childless and barren. They They would come a day when they wished they could be buried alive. Why? Why would Jesus predict this judgment? Because they continued to reject God's only begotten son. It was God's only begotten son who was sent in the world to become the ultimate sacrifice <laughs> for the sin of the world. John three sixteen tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Why Why did they not know? They did not know John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Why did they not know? They did not know John 3 and 18, which says he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. God's long-suffering And he is kind. But continued rejection of the son brings judgment and it brings eternal doom. Family, we need to know this is still going on today. God is a loving God. He is a merciful God. He is a gracious God, but we can't forget he is also just and holy. And through, through his grace and mercy, God has revealed through the scriptures and through the Holy Spirit that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And if we continue to reject him as our personal Savior, we will face God's judgment. Hebrews 90 27 says and as it is appointed for men to die once but after this the judgment no they didn't know Jesus death would be God's provision for sin and they rejected God's son Jesus death was a fulfillment of prophecy his death was a provision for sin but what they did not know was that they could not take the life of the person of God the religious leaders they thought they had killed Jesus and there's a lot of things in this world that we can do (laughs) but what's impossible is for the creation to kill the creator (laughs) Here at the, at the appointed time, around the sixth hour, darkness covered the face of the earth. Till the ninth hour, the sun darkened and the, the veil of the temple was torn in two. And then Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Then he breathed his last breath. Contrary to what they believed, they did not kill Amen. Jesus. Jesus gave His life. I love the movie Wanted. I don't know if you've watched the movie Wanted, but I love that movie. Uh, In the movie, Wesley Gibson is played by James McAvoy. Wesley works a dead-end job. In order to deal with this overwhelming boss, he he's on panic attack medication. Uh, one day, his whole life is changed. On a day when he realizes his living girlfriend is cheating with his cheating on him with his best friend, Wesley finds out that he's being sold after by a fraternity of assassins. Wesley then finds out that his father was a member of this fraternity, and a fraternity member had gone rogue, and he had killed his, Wesley's father. Well, they use Wesley because they're not able to kill this man they use Wesley they train him primarily to be able to kill the man who they said killed his father after much training Wesley sets out to avenge his father's death and in a confrontation Wesley thinks he's killed the man who killed his father But Wesley finds out that he was set up. That the man he was seeking to kill was protecting him all along. And this man was actually his father. You see, Wesley's father didn't go rogue. The fraternity leader had went rogue. But in this confrontation... When Wesley thinks he has killed his father, in all actuality, his father is killing the one who set to kill Wesley. Wesley didn't kill his father. His father gave up his life. So Wesley would continue living. <laughs> Family, <laughs> regardless of what the world says, Jesus gave up his life. So that we could become the children of God and we could live forever. Jesus gave up the splendor of heaven to come to this sin-cursed world for you. He, re- he was rejected by many and received by a few. Jesus gave his life so that you could be forgiven of your sins and escape the penalty of your sins. And all you must do is acknowledge that you are a sinner, separated from an eternal God, and that you are in need of a savior. You must believe that Jesus is the son of God, the savior of the world, and you must confess your sins to him. You don't have to confess your sins to a preacher. You don't have to confess your sins to another church member. You don't have to confess your sins to a family member. Confess your sins to him and receive Jesus as your personal savior. Romans 10 and 9 tells us then, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. 1 John 1 and 9 tells us that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, they did not know what they were doing. They thought they were killing a carpenter from Nazareth. But prophecy was being fulfilled. They thought they were getting rid of this man who was causing trouble for their religion. (laughs) But salvation was being provided. They thought they had done away with him by nailing him to a cross By humiliating him publicly, but they couldn't take his life. He gave his life for you and I. Now, my question is for you out there who are listening, will you give your life to him? He gave his life for you. Oh, if you want to today to change your life. To know that heaven will be your home. To know that you have a savior who loves you. All you have to do is call out to Jesus. Acknowledge who you are. Acknowledge your condition. Believe Jesus is the son of God. The savior of the world. And confess him as Lord and savior. Would you today? Oh, if you're willing to do this, just pray with me, would you? God... I am a sinner. I am separated from you. And God, it's time for me to give my life to you. God, I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he came to this world and he died for me. So God, I pray that you would forgive me of my sins. Wash me white as snow. Cleanse me. Through the blood of your son. God thank you. Thank you for saving me. Now God I pray that you would lead me. As I walk in this life. Lead me. To follow your way. (coughs) Lead me. (coughs) To follow your will. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Oh if you prayed this prayer. And you believe this within your heart. I believe you've done enough to be saved, but it's not enough for me to believe it. You've got to believe that Jesus has come in. He's come into your life. He's cleansed you up. He's made you whole. Well, one way to, to know that, one way to know that you are saved is that you have a heart for Jesus. You have a determination to serve him. Oh, if that has happened to you today, if you've given your life to Jesus, why not tell somebody what's happened to you? Tell someone that you've been saved. Tell a family member. Tell a loved one. Call a pastor. Call a friend who, who loves the Lord. And let someone rejoice with you. And if you would like, you can call here at Reedy Branch Baptist Church, 910 628 Nine one one seven, and just share with us. Send the text. Go to our YouTube page. Go to our Facebook page, Reedy Branch Baptist Church, and just share in the comments that you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, and we'll celebrate with you. I pray God continues to richly bless you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord.